0: Hey, my name is Phil and this is my wife Meredith and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Hey, I wanna get straight into the word this morning. If we've never met, my name is Meredith. You met my husband Phil earlier and uh, we're the pastors here. And I'm just really excited about what I think God wants to say to us today, so I wanna get straight into it. Uh, You can turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter five, If you were here last week, you know that we had our friend with us, Chris and Tina Baker, and Chris brought us a word out of the beginning of Joshua, and it was the closing of the series we were in, All I Do Is Win, talking about how we can't lose when we know that God is the one who ultimately fights our battles and ultimately works In in our way. And he came in and he preached this word right out of the book of Joshua. And I was so excited because I know some of you probably don't even believe me when I tell you I did not give him a heads up. And I wasn't like, hey, if you could look towards Joshua, that would be awesome. But I knew that this week I was going to be opening us up in Joshua chapter five. And Chris came in and preached this perfect crossover message right out of the beginning of the book of Joshua. And there at the beginning, the children of Israel have just moved out of, from under Moses' leadership, unto Joshua's leadership. They've crossed over the Jordan, and they are preparing themselves to finally go into their promised land. And that's where I want to pick up today. Joshua 5, starting in verse 1, says, as soon as all the kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites, who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people. Because if you remember, they carried the ark out into the water, and God again split the waters, this time under Joshua, and the children walked through. It says, their hearts melted, that being the, the king's, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. At the time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibbath Haraloth. Then we're going to skip down to verses eight through nine. Part of what we learned there in the in-between is that this generation of the children of Israel hadn't been circumcised like they were meant to while they were walking and wandering through the desert, even though their parents had been. They neglected to circumcise them while they were walking. That's why it says a second time. These poor boys were not circumcised twice. It's the group of people a second time. Then you pick up in Joshua 5, 5 and 8, and it says, And when the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their place in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is Gilgal to this day. Father God, we thank you for your holy presence. We thank you for your living word. We thank you that you're a God who speaks to us. We thank you that you are a God who is here with us in this moment. I ask for your anointing to deliver this word. I ask you to give us hearts that are ready to receive it, ears that are quick to hear what you're saying, God. God, I ask you to help me today to serve up a meal for this moment to know what to include and what to leave out, God, so that we can digest it and move forward in health, in strength for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had like one of those amazing experiences in life that you know this moment is going to change my entire life? Like it's so good that you look at the moment and you go, my life is never going to be the same. I was talking to a musician one time that was explaining to me for them what it was like the very first time they held a guitar in their life, in their hands, and they said, it changed my life. I knew when I held it, this is supposed to be a part of my life. It's like my whole life turned on and I realized I am never going to be the same because I have suddenly had this incredible experience that has totally changed the direction of my life. Have you ever had an experience that was so bad that you knew that you were never going to be the same after it? That impacted you so deeply, that touched you, that changed you, that marred you in such a way that as you were going through it, you thought to yourself, I am never going to be The same. I might never recover from this. Might be words that you have spoken out over your own life. I'm never going to be able to move past this divorce that I went through. I'm never going to be able to move past losing that friend. I'm never going to be the same after this business failed. I am never going to be the same after a global pandemic and ensuing chaos. I have been forever marked by this moment. Joshua had that kind of an experience in his life. He had the mountaintop moment where he had this incredible experience that he said, I have seen it, I have felt it. I know that my life will forever be changed by this incredible moment that I've had. Joshua was among the first 12 people to get to walk into the promised land that God had spoken for generations to his family about. And he walked into the land and he got to taste of the fruit. He came out carrying the fruit of the land, carrying the grapes that were in the promised land. And he came out and he had this life-changing moment that said, the direction of my life will forever be changed because of the goodness of the experience that I just had. And he walked directly out of that moment and crashed into A moment that was so devastating that his life would forever be marked by it. He walked directly out of that moment into the doubt, the disappointment, the fear of the rest of the people that he was traveling with. And just like that, the hope of the promised land seemed like it was snatched out from underneath him and all of a sudden Joshua found himself in deep despair and devastation, looking at the promised land literally in reach but unable to go into it. And then he had to wander in the desert for 40 years wandering around, passing that promised land, thinking about how it should have been his, wondering if he was ever gonna get to actually walk through those gates. And as if that wasn't enough, he had pain on top of pain. He was already the generation that were children of slaves that had to walk out of the promised land. He had already heard the disappointment of being the people of God who went through famine that put them in the place of slavery where they were for generation on generation generation and then they came out and he had to deal with the devastation of death and of disease and of watching groups of his people swallowed into the earth we read over the scripture like it's a fairy tale story Joshua is carrying so much pain with him. And he gets into this moment and he goes, I am marked by this pain. And if I'm honest about all of the things that I've been walking through, I'm carrying some things in my bones and I'm carrying some things in my body and I'm carrying some things in my spirit and I'm carrying some things in my soul that I'm not quite sure where to put them. I'm not quite sure what to do with them. Joshua has been traumatized by the experience that he has been walking through. Now I want you to hear me. The thing that he went through is not the trauma. The way that he began to internalize that thing, the way that it began to change the way that he saw the world, that he saw himself, the way that he walked around, the way that he thought, the way that he interacted with the people around him, that is the effect of the trauma. When the painful experience from the outside began to get inside of Joshua, the trauma began to set in in his life. We know that Joshua was impacted by the trauma because when Joshua comes out of the promised land, he is filled with confidence. He is like, let's take the city. We've got it, God is on our side. He is confident, he is ready, he is strong. He's like, let's go do this. But by the time we get to the point where it is actually Joshua's turn, God has to tell him over and over and over again, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. It's like he keeps repeating this to him. Why does God keep repeating it to him? God keeps repeating it to him because somewhere over the last 40 years, Joshua has lost his courage. Joshua has lost his strength. And now it's the moment that he needs it, but the trauma that's gotten on the inside of him has made him timid, has made him have some more back down in him than he thought that he used to have. I wonder what all of the things that you've gone through have stolen from you. I wonder what this last year has stolen from you. You know that 12 months ago this week, a national emergency was declared in our country. 12 months ago this week, we moved to online-only services for the first time ever, 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 in the history of Cornerstone Church. And I don't have to walk you through all the crazy things that have happened nationally and globally over the last 12 months. You have lived them and you know them and all of the crazy things that have happened to you personally in your family and in your business and in the decisions you had to make as a leader and the people that got angry with you for it when you were just trying to figure out what to do in the midst of it. I don't have to walk us all back through it. You know it because you are carrying the marks of it. You are carrying the wounds from it. We have been marked by the last year that we walked through and more than that we have been marked by all of the experiences that we have had in life by the people who have walked out on us and walked in on us by the people who have harmed us and touched us in ways that they never should have had access to us from by the job that you lost that wasn't your fault you have been marked by all of the things that we have walked through but we're starting a new series today called Healed people because God wants you to be healed God wants you to be whole. He designed you to, in your spirit and in your soul, live a life of abundance, to live a life overflowing, to live a life in step with his spirit. Yes, the effects of sin are tragic in the fallen, broken world that we live in, but we don't have to live with them inside of us. We can live in such a way that we say, I went through that, but I'm healed from it. I walked through that, but I'm whole on the other side of it. Yes, that was awful, but that's on the outside of me. What's on the inside of me is his goodness and his grace and his mercy. John 10.10 10 says the enemy comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But God has come to give you life and life more abundantly. There is an abundance for the people of God, a buoyancy for the people of God. Hebrews says cast off every restraint, every weight, every heaviness, everything that the enemy tries to hang on you every hurt and every trauma that he tries to swing around your neck cast it off and live healed people live whole people live in the goodness and the grace and the mercy so before god walks them into their promised land he says there's one more thing that i need you to do before we're going to walk on to the other side of this and that is that i need you to sit down and to be healed I need you to take a minute and remain where you are. He tells them to remain until they are healed. See, what God knows is what they don't know yet. They didn't realize that they were carrying this thing around. They didn't realize that they were walking around in the wilderness carrying the symptoms of their trauma, carrying the pain that they've been walking under, carrying the imprints of their parents and carrying the imprint of their situation and carrying the imprint of their disappointment. They're just walking through the desert, living their life the only way they knew how to live their life. They're just taking one step in front of the other. This is the generation that was born born in the desert experience. This is the generation that has only known the stories of what slavery was. So they feel like they haven't really been impacted by that because they weren't the ones who were there under the taskmaster. But the truth of the matter is that that trauma has been transferred from them, from their parents to them in their DNA. It has been transferred to them in the habits that they have learned along the way, in the speech that they have learned along the way, in the thought mentality That they have learned along the way. They are carrying trauma that goes back generations on generations, and now they've had to walk through their own experience here in the midst of a desert, a people with no home who have a promised land but don't have possession of their promised land, walking with that disappointment, walking with those unanswered questions, wandering around in the desert, and it looks like it's always looked to them because sometimes the symptoms of the things that we're carrying are hidden and the trauma that they had was hidden. Without getting too graphic about it, it says that they were not circumcised along the way. Now that, no one would have known about that. No one needed to know about the hidden symptom of their trauma that they were carrying around. It was in a covered place. It was in a hidden place. It was in a secret place. And so it seemed like it might have been easier just to go ahead and leave that as just a secret between me and you Jesus. We don't need to talk about it and we don't need to make a big deal about it. Let's just go ahead and let it be covered up. A couple weekends ago, I got up like kind of late and I had some errands to run, you know, so I jumped up. I was like trying to get ready quick and my hair was kind of crazy. So what do you do when your hair is looking kind of crazy? put a hat on, right? So I put a hat on and I you know, threw on some clothes and I went and I was running my errands and because when I have a hat on and my hair is covered up, it looks like I'm not as crazy, you know? I look like I'm kinda together. Sometimes we're walking around and we look like we're kinda together. I look like I'm doing kinda like a funky weekend mom look. This is, it's intentional. I wanted to wear this and I got home and Phil was like, are you gonna take that off? Phil doesn't like it when I wear hats. So when I got home, he was like, are you gonna take that hat off? And I was like, oh no. I mean, we can't take this off. This is covering a whole lot of crazy going on underneath this hat. And that's how the children of Israel were walking around in the desert. They were like, oh no, we can't talk about all that. That's covering up a whole lot of crazy about some things that should have been handled but weren't handled until we got here. And so I just prefer if we keep it covered. And that's how some of us are. We've got a whole lot of crazy going on in our life. A whole lot of things in the hidden place. A whole lot of things that we keep covered up, that we keep secret, that we think it's okay because no one else sees it and no one else talks about it. No one else really knows about it. So if I just leave it in the secret place, if I just leave it in that hidden tab on my desktop, then nobody else needs to really talk about it or know about it. If I just keep that under the wraps, if I just zip up my coat and come on out of my tent, then when I come out of my tent and I'm with everybody else who's covered up and they're hiding and has their things in the secret place and in the hidden place, then it seems like it's not that bad but it's the goodness of God it's the grace of God it's the love and the mercy of God that when he's talking to the children of Israel he says wait 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 before we go into your promised land we need to talk about that hidden thing Before I take you into the place of your possession, there's some things that you're carrying on your body. There's some things that you're carrying in your purpose that don't belong on that side. They are marks of where you have come from, not signs of where you are going. So before we move into that, we're gonna take a minute right here and we're gonna talk about that thing that you're hiding. Before we move into that place, we're gonna take a minute right here and we're gonna cut off everything that looks like the shackles of sin. We're gonna cut off everything that looks like the weight and the and the heaviness. We're going to cut off everything in your life that is a symptom of trauma and I know it seems hidden and I know it seems like it'd be easier if we don't talk about it. And I know that sometimes in the midst of the moment, God's love feels like an attack on you because you're like, I was a little bit more comfortable when you just let me sit back here and hide this Jesus. And he's like, I know, I let you hide it while you were in that season because we were dealing with some other stuff, but if you really want to possess your promised land, you are not taking that over there so we're going to take a minute right here and we're going to cut it back we're going to cut off everything in your life that looks like who you used to be we're going to cut off everything in your life that doesn't look like your promise we're going to cut off everything in your life that is a symbol of where you've come from and he starts cutting and if we're not careful we run from the cut of god and we pretend like it's the cut of the enemy we run right out of his hands because we're afraid to be harmed because we're afraid to be trimmed back because we don't know that his love sometimes feels like a knife what does john 15 tells us it says every fruitful vine he prunes he cuts it back Every place where there is fruitfulness, he cuts it back. He's not cutting you because he's mad at you. He's cutting you because there is more fruit on the inside of you. He's cutting you because there is a promise on the other side of this thing, but you'll never see it blossom. You'll never see it bloom. You'll never see it grow if you're not willing to cut off the things that are blocking the fresh fruit from coming forth. And so before they moved in, even though no one else could see it, even though their enemies were already running. Did you hear that? Now look, if this is my story, I'm like, God, we have a moment right here. Everybody else is running. Everyone else is afraid of us. They just saw how you opened up the waters and it looks like our enemies are trembling so we can't waste time doing this right. We'll get to this and I'll sort out my issue. I know that we need to talk about that addiction situation, God, but right now the enemy is on its heels so if we could just move right here in this moment then we can take care of that later and that's how we like to do. There's always something. There's always a reason that we don't need to talk about the hidden thing in our life. There's always a reason that I can just leave that thing tucked in my closet. There's always a reason that I can just close that thing up, that I can just zip up my coat and let's pretend that I'm not marked by it. And the other reason that they didn't really recognize the trauma that they had been through is because they had normalized it. Everyone that they were walking with was going through the same pain. Everyone that they were walking with had had the same situation. Everyone that they were walking with was living in the same time and in the same place. It's why we are so committed, it's one of the reasons, we are so committed to a church that represents a diverse people because sometimes you have to get outside of what you already know to look around and go, everybody don't live like that. I, I just thought that that's what happened because everybody that I know lives this way. Everybody that I know gets pregnant when they're a teenager. Everyone that I know is just trying to stretch everything to get by. Everyone that I know is food insecure. So that's just what I thought. Look, that's not your neighborhood, that's fine. Everyone I know overworks all the time so they don't have to emotionally connect with the people in their community. Everyone I know praises achievement over character. So I just thought that that's what it looked like, that it doesn't really matter who I am as long as I am succeeding. That's fine because that's what it looked like in my neighborhood. So the symptom of my trauma didn't seem that obvious to me because everywhere that I look, everyone that I look at is living the same situation and is experiencing the same thing. It's why multi-level income housing is such an answer to eliminating poverty. Because when you grow up in a neighborhood where everyone around you lives in poverty, you don't know that it's not normal to live this way. You don't know that there's another option on the other side of it until you live in a neighborhood where there's family houses and apartments together and there's a big old house in the back. And I noticed that at that big house in the back, those kids don't ever seem like they're hungry, which made me think maybe someday I could aspire to live in a position where my family doesn't have to be hungry too because my world has been opened up to the fact that what I am living in is an impact of the trauma that I have experienced. It is not normal. But here we are, just like the children of Israel, walking around with all of our trauma and all of our triggers and all of our buttons and all of our sore spots and all of our symptoms that we have picked up from the pain that we've experienced. And we're carrying it together. And when we carry it together, We're sending each other off and we're escalating the experience every time we bump into each other. The children of Israel are out there. Have you ever seen a cat, like uh, when a cat gets scared, you know, and they like, and their hair all stands up? Emotionally, that is what we are doing on the inside, especially over this last year, because it has been crazy. It has been crazy. And so we're living at a higher capacity of stress, of anxiety, of trauma than we are used to living with. And then we go out into the world and we're like an emotional cat on the inside and our fur is already all lit up. And then while I'm driving, I hear an article on the radio about there might be a second wave. And I know that my cousin just had an infant and in this article they were talking about they're not sure what how this disease is gonna affect infants yet because there hasn't really been a lot of study on it, so now my stress level has increased again to a new level, because now I am so concerned about that brand new baby, and so I jump out of my car, and I run into the store, and when I run into the store, they are out of toilet paper again, and I cannot believe that we are still fighting over this toilet paper situation, and while I go to get my toilet paper, somebody else comes in, and they're stressed because they just found out that their company might be downsizing because their budget has been so impacted. And there we are, like emotional cats on the inside. And now we are brawling in the grocery store over toilet paper. But it's not really about the toilet paper. It's about I'm carrying so much on the inside of me. And I don't know what to do with it. And I don't know where to put it. And we're just running around, setting each other off and radaring each other like crazy. And I know some of you feel like you have not been affected by it. You feel like you are just doing fine. And that is because we have so normalized the symptoms of the trauma that we experience that you don't even recognize it. The children of Israel were so used to wandering around, eating food that was given to them in shoes that they didn't buy, wandering, looking without a home that they didn't even recognize that they needed to be healed. you know, just wander. Let's, let's talk about some of them. Some of the symptoms that we have normalized. Busy, for example. I was watching someone's Facebook live the other day and they were just doing some early chat and they said, hey, how's everyone doing? And I kid you not, I watched 20 people type into the chat, busy, 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 busy. And my heart broke, busy, Busy is not how you were intended to spend your days. Busy is the distraction of the enemy saying, look over here at this, look over here at that, look over here at this, look over here at that. If I can keep them snapping, if I can keep them moving, if I can keep them turning from this thing to that thing and rushing from this to that, then they'll never stop to notice. You know what? That hurts. That right there, that's sore. And I need to take a minute and I need to let that heal busy. We are so busy. Anxiety, anxiety is like the new catchphrase. Like you're not really doing anything in life if you don't have anxiety of some kind in your life. When I was growing up, it was stress. You know, I remember being in school and then being like, what is your stress level? Now they're asking middle schoolers, what is your anxiety level? Because we have normalized the idea of anxiety, and so we don't even notice it in each other anymore. We just say, oh, you have anxiety too? I also have anxiety. You were not made for anxiety. You were made for peace. You were made for a peace that passes understanding. You were made to dwell in his presence. Isolation. I live with me and I live with mine and I stay in my place and I stay in hiding and it's been really scary out with other people and I've been damaged by some relationships. So instead of opening back up to that, instead of healing and being able to bring myself into that relationship again, I'm just gonna seclude myself from that and I'm gonna block it off, I'm gonna lock it up, I'm gonna isolate myself from everything that's going on. Isolation has become a symptom of our trauma. Tribalism, I'm gonna hang out with my people and I'm gonna take care of my people, and the people that look like me, and the people that sound like me, and the people that live in my neighborhood, or the people that are in my economic bracket, what I care about is my people. Addiction. And like, yeah, you know, the, the obvious ones. Like, you should definitely stay off of crack cocaine. And I'm not like making, you know, I don't wanna make a joke of it because if you have found yourself in that position, there is healing and deliverance from you. But what we have normalized is all of our other addictions. My addiction to my phone, my addiction to numbing myself with digital content and digital media, I have normalized that. I have normalized gossip as an addiction i 've normalized uh, uh, running to someone else i 've normalized uh, reaching for food of any kind as an addiction. Why because this is what an addiction is when I have and I have an impact and I have an experience that creates a craving in me for something else. I reach for whatever that something else is, like gossiping right It makes me feel better when I can tell you something negative about someone else. So because I'm feeling bad about the situation I'm in, I have a craving to feel better. So I run to you and I say, girl, have you heard what's going on with Karen? Let me tell you all about it. And then I tell you all about Karen and her crazy kids and what's going on and what I heard about her husband. And then, whew, I feel better and I've created an addictive habit in my life of every time I don't feel good. I don't know why, but it makes me want to call my girlfriend and tell her something bad. And I know girls get a bad rap from it, but guys, y'all know how to gossip too, okay? You don't do it like this. You don't go, girl, let me tell you. Mm Mm-hmm. But I see you. I see you sitting at the barbershop on the weekend like, bro. Let me tell you, though. It ain't what it looks like over there. You know? Mm-hmm. And it makes you feel better about the fact that you haven't connected with your family. And because you're feeling empty for it, you have that craving to reach out to someone else and so you release that thing and it puts you in a cycle of addiction, of gossip, of slander. Run into your phone to escape what you're in. My favorite, uh, my favorite pair, opinion and offense. We are so committed to the symptom of our opinion being elevated, like I have an opinion, therefore the world must hear my opinion. And it's a symptom of the trauma that we have been through, and we have so many outlets, so we just spew our opinions out all over the place like everyone else needs to hear them, and when we spew them out, we create a nice little tag team symptom because I spew out my opinion, and then it makes you offended about your about what my opinion was, and so then you share your opinion, and then now I'm offended, and we just go back and forth like a nice little volley game of opinion and offense, and our symptomatic situation of the trauma that we have experienced that we're unwilling to deal with because we don't even recognize it because so normal because it's just how we live out here in social media land volleying back and forth we have normalized the symptoms of our trauma so then we're just walking around with them carrying them around talking about I don't know why I can't go into my promised land God send me in God answer my prayer we're so busy talking about the enemies blocking me from my promised land the devil won't let me have it perhaps you should pray about it. Maybe it's not the enemy. Maybe it's God telling you, I am not willing to let you walk into that space with what you are carrying. It is more important to him that when you arrive at the place of your promise, you arrive healed, you arrive whole, you arrive radiant, you arrive as the beautiful bride that he intended his church to be. So yes, the promise is being held up from you, but it's not being held up because the enemy is so big, because the enemy is so bad, because the enemy is so bold. The promise is being held up from you because you need to take a minute and heal. You need to take a minute and let God work on you. Can you imagine if they would have run straight into battle? God takes them and he's like, hey, we need to get this sorted out. And that's how we do. We're like, oh, okay, cool. I got that sorted out. And then we run out. Like we're going to run straight into battle. We got too many believers who skipped a step in the process. It says they remained until they were healed they remained there until they were healed. But we're like, okay, cool. Ooh, ah, God, that kind of hurt. Okay, let me go fight. And we got too many Christians out here running, bleeding their trauma all over the streets. We're bleeding on everybody and then we start turning on each other because we don't know because trauma does weird things on the inside of you. And all of a sudden, we don't know if I'm fighting the enemy or if I'm fighting my people. And now we're out here fighting each other in the streets because we're so mixed up because we didn't take the time to sit down and heal. So we got believers fighting all over about you. You opened your church and you didn't open your church and you ain't got no faith because your people are wearing masks and you're irresponsible because you don't make your people wear masks. And we're out here fighting like crazy people because the people of God have not sat down and healed. Sit down. Remain until you are healed. Yes, God is going to cut you and yes, he's going to work on you and yes, he has something on the other side of it for you but stop being so nervous that you're going to miss the moment that you won't sit down and be healed. He doesn't want you walking in, bleeding all over your promise. He doesn't want you walking in, limping and being pulled back and being triggered by every person that bumps into you that has an offense on something. He wants you to remain until you are healed. It says they sat down and they remained in that place. They remained in the place until their healing was complete. And even though their enemy was already running, even though their enemy was already scared. Even though if it was you and me, we would feel nervous like we were gonna miss the moment. That's why we had to remember that all I do is win that the battle isn't in my hands and the battle isn't because of my strength and the battle doesn't have anything to do with what I can do about it and the battle doesn't have anything to do with my arm. The battle belongs to him. What did Second Chronicles say? Second Chronicles 20 and 15 says, and he said, listen all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this horde for the battle is is not yours, but the Lord's. <laughs> The reason we're running so hard, the reason we're running so fast, the reason we can't stay in the place and remain healed is because we still believe that it's in our hands. Because we're still trying to pick it up. We're still trying to do it on our timeline. We're still trying to do it in our own strength. We're not waiting to listen. We're like, God, you said that land, great. I'm going to run and get it. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. There's some things you haven't been healed from. And if you take what you haven't been healed from into that promised land, you will still be your unhealed self in that promised land. Come on, everybody has this, buddy, right? And they're like, oh. My boss doesn't know, they don't hear me right. Oh, my girlfriend, they don't hear me right. Oh, my parents. No, the common denominator is your unhealed self. Your unhealed self trying to run into every single situation. But I believe that there are a people, listen, if we can run around and we can allow our trauma and our stress and our hurt and our pain to send each other off and escalate each other, if there are a healed people of God that are willing to say, I will stay here, I will I will listen to what you're saying, God, and I will be healed. Then we have the power to heal as well. Yes, hurt people can hurt people, but come on, people of God. A healed people know how to heal people. They can walk into that promise and say, wait, wait, wait. There's a healing on the inside of me. Yes, I've been cut. Yes, I've been wounded. Yes, I've been hurt. Yes, I've been harmed, but I've also been healed because I learned how to remain in Him. And I wish that there were a people of God that said I am as committed to possessing the promise as I am to making sure that I'm healed when I get there. So I'm going to remain in this place. I'm not going to move until I hear him say move. I'm not going to move until I'm all the way healed with it. He told me we just need some people who will sit down and say I don't have to run after everything and I don't have to chase after everything. The enemy can't move me with his anxiety. The enemy can't move me with his timeline. The enemy won't shake me with his fear. I am going to sit right here until I'm healed. I am going to remain in this place and I'm going to get all the way healed and I'm going to get so healthy on the inside. I'm going to get so whole on the inside. I'm going to be so redeemed on the inside that everywhere I walk, try and offend me because I am a healed person and if you can't find a button in me, you can't find a trigger in me, you might find some scarves, baby, but you're not going to find no wounds on the inside of this soul because I learned how to remain in him. God wants you so healed. He wants you so whole. He cares about you so much. And this is the interesting thing. It says he told them, as I finish, it says he told them to get a flint knife and circumcise all of the people. So this is the thing that's interesting about this is that by this point in history, a flint knife would have been an old tool. The people have already moved into the Bronze Age. They are already metal-working people. The newest technology, the newest thing would have been for them to use a knife made of metal. But for some reason, God says to them, I want you to take a flint knife and I want you to cut and to be healed. And I believe what God is saying to us in this season is yes, there are some new things that I'm walking you into. But before I walk you into some new things, there are some ancient tools that I need you to remember, people of God. There are some ancient methods of healing that are directly from the throne of heaven and don't think you're so fancy as to move on from it. And we are gonna take some time and we are gonna get all the way healed. And we're gonna stay here. I have kind of an idea of how long we're gonna be in this series, but what I really know is we're gonna stay here We're going to remain until God says we're done. This is what we're gonna be doing. Over the next few weeks, we're gonna come and we're gonna look at some of those ancient tools. We're gonna to say, God, what is it that you have in me? What is it that you see in me? What is it that needs to be uprooted in me? What are the places that you've been pressing in on me? What are the places that I've allowed to flare up in on me? And we're gonna take some things like prayer and meditation and rest and praise and forgiveness and we're gonna move in until we are all the way healed. And when we are all the way healed, we are going to possess the promise that God has always intended for his people. And we're going to walk in with confidence and we're going to walk in with strength and we're going to walk in with wholeness. Amen, church? Amen. So I wanna encourage you to keep leaning in over the next few weeks. To, to This is really going to build. We're just opening up today, but this is really going to build. So I wanna encourage you to make sure you make being in service a priority over the next several weeks. Because I believe God wants to heal us because I believe that he wants to use us to heal others, right? Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, healed people, heal people. Father God, I thank you for what you've done today. I thank you for the word that you spoke. I thank you for the way that you're walking us. I thank you for the place that you're taking us into. And over this week, God, I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to begin to reveal to us the places where we need to let you pour into us. I speak over us a remaining, that we will not allow ourselves to be pulled from here until you say so. God, speak to your people, and I just declare your healing anointing over this place. In Jesus' name.